Welcome to the Fantasy Ace Ball Podcast. This is your host, Tim Kanak. You can find me on Twitter, at Fantasy Ace Ball. You can find my written work over on Friends with Fantasy Benefits. And obviously, you're listening to the Fantasy Ace Ball Podcast. This is episode number 58, as we're getting into our second season. And we have our co-host back for episode number two, Raymond Atherton. Raymond, where can the listeners find you at? Yeah, so this is super complicated, but I'm at Raymond Atherton on Twitter. Oh, how is anyone going to find that? I don't know. You know, you know what? I think though the tildes might throw somebody off. Has, oh. it, has anyone has anyone I'd, called you no, Raymond Atherton yet? Yet? No, no, no one has said anything about being hard to find or mentioned that. That's a it's a tribute to Acuna. <laughs> That's from that Bryce Harper thing, right? From that guy in the stands. Who oh is, yeah, who's calling him a Kuna? That this Harper Harper was like, no, it's a. He, he's like, he's like a Acuna is better than you. He's and like, he's that's like, not his Acuna. name. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into it. We got some moves to talk about. We actually just had a move happen right before the podcast started, and we were talking a little bit about it offline, and that was Zach Eflin getting signed by the Rays, and not to a small deal either. Three years, $40 million, which is about as large as a commitment as you're going to get for a non-Wander Franco if the Rays are signing you, right? Like, usually the Rays are one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal. So uh, what do you think about this move? I like it. Um, I mean, his ERA was a little high last year for – 4.12, but I mean, he had 164 strikeouts to 31 walks, um, and he limited hard contact. Like his, if you look at his baseball savant page, it is red everywhere. Average exit velocity was 96th percentile, hard hit rate 94th percentile. So if you can limit hard contact, especially for an organization like the Rays, and I mean, this is just where we're at it with the Rays at this point is when someone signs there, you just assume they're going to make him better, like. Maybe they figure out one of his secondary pitches and he starts striking people out at a more consistent rate and takes a step forward. But, I mean, even if he was just who he was last year, yeah, I love this. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking right now. If you if you haven't looked at pitcher lists before, they have – when you look at their profiles, you can see each pitch, which is super cool. Like, I usually use Fangraph for more, like, macro stats, but then if you really want to get into a pitcher's, like, micro stats, you can – jump on them on pitcher list. And Eflin, if you look at from a macro perspective, he was amazing at uh, just like from a control command standpoint last year, right? Like he throws strikes, throws a lot of strikes, starts off counts with strikes, doesn't walk very many people, still has some heat, you know, like he's got a above average to above average fastball. And with, when you limit walks like that, you can be a very good pitcher. There are a lot of, pitchers that don't have you know 95 98 mile per hour heat or whatever and don't have that crazy secondary pitch but they end up making up for it by being that control pinpoint guy who just doesn't walk guys gets through innings and you know like it's always good to have that type of guy but for sure the Rays giving Eflin this deal to me makes me want Eflin in fantasy baseball leagues because the Rays usually don't do something unless it works like almost all of their signings in the past, all their moves have worked. Corey Kluber, when they brought Kluber in after the Yankees failed to get Kluber back to where he was, it worked for the Rays, right? Um, I mean, I guess you could say their one failing was Nelson Cruz, but dude was like 41 when they brought him in, and it was like one year or whatever. So what are you going to say? I mean, it was actually a pretty bad trade when you look at back on it because they traded Joe Ryan for him. But um, yeah. looking at his repertoire, though, uh, he threw the sinker 40% of the time last year with a 31.6% CSW on the sinker. And then the curve, 32.9% CSW. And he really was laying off the fastballs last year, and they weren't, they weren't great pitches. And his slider wasn't that great either. So maybe they bring him in and they have some way to complement the sinker and the curveball better than the way the Phillies were doing it. And then you mentioned offline even that even – just him getting away from that Phillies defense is going to, is going to help him <laughs> tremendously. So. Yeah. Um, I definitely think 
I was re-listening to the podcast, and yeah, that Phillies defense was like they just turned or turned into the skit of like we're just gonna have like possibly the worst defense ever. But um, I like that you're talking about pitcher list because I like baseball savant, but on here they just they don't separate sinker fastball. So um, according to this, he just throws fifty four percent fastballs, but that's two different pitches. So that's really good information to have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, I mean, you're going to have differentials like that on sites when it comes to some pitches because who's who's reading the difference between – I mean, sometimes, okay, you got a four-seamer or a two-seamer. you got a yeah. – yes. some sliders look like curves. So, sliders and cutters. You know, you just, yeah, so there, you, because you get the 12-6 sliders sometimes. It's like, okay, is that a curveball or is it a slider? It's just – they grip it like a slider, but it just tends to move like a curve because of whatever way that they pronate and turn their arm and whatever – like it yeah. turns a slider into a curveball. So, uh, I mean, every pitcher is just a little bit different. But, um, you know, Nick p- puts a lot of work into pitcher list. So I really think uh, I-, I trust this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the last thing I want to mention here is he threw 181 innings. And in this new era of baseball we're in, that's nothing to scoff at anymore. He's probably, what, top 25 in innings pitched? That's a big no, deal. He, he, 75 innings pitched last year is what, I've, what I'm seeing on fan graphs. Zach but, uh, yeah, Zach Eflin. 75.2 innings pitched. 0.2 is two-thirds um, is what he got last year, oh, which yeah. is actually probably why people kind of forgot about him because that, last year he was actually trending up kind of uh, in the draft season. And then I think that he hit some injuries. I mean – you probably remember he. I don't even know. Did he even pitch in the playoffs? I don't even remember him pitching in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't just think all so. Like, yeah, just like all Nolo, Wheeler, and Ranger. You know, I I don't even remember seeing what him. What the heck was I looking at? guard, obviously. <laughs> oh, this is it's last two seasons combined. I just missed that. Oh yeah, two seasons combined. One eighty. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's in the past. He's thrown one hundred sixty inning seasons. So yeah. he's sh- he's. Been there before. He's shown the ability to do it. Shortened season, he threw a full season, uh, which is actually his best season. Uh, statistically, 22.4% Camerinus Walker is pretty darn good. Uh, so let's move off of Eflin, I think, and move to our next move. Next move I want to talk about is Mike Clevenger going to the Chai Sox on a one-year deal for $12 million. What do you got there? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if – coming off that second Tommy John surgery, if he was just rusty or if he's not who he used to be, but it was by far the worst year of his career. Um, what? 4.33 ERA. He threw 114 innings pitch. I'm going to second guess that now. <laughs> um, <laughs> 91 strikeouts. That's not good. Um, highest barrel rate of his career. Best walk rate of his career. That's encouraging. And then the lowest, K rate of his career, so that's just right back onto where. Yeah, well, I mean, traditionally, you pitchers their first year off TJ don't fare too well, right? Like that's just yeah. like traditionally that's to be expected. Um, so there is uh, there is the potential for a rebound. I don't know if I'm really seeing it in Chicago with the White Sox. Um, Chicago's ballpark doesn't is not doesn't play very well to pitchers and Chicago is not known to have the best defensive team with Abreu leaving. Obviously that means they're looking to move Eloy to full-time DH, which means Andrew Vaughn, who is also not good defensively is going to be at first base. So there may be some slight improvements defensively for the White Sox uh, next year. So that is something to look forward to, but it, it is a power park. Like hitters hit a lot of home runs in Chicago on the South side. And the other concern that I have, which I brought up on Twitter, is this dude got in trouble, if you don't remember, when he was with the Guardians. Like, the reason the Guardians traded him is because he and Plesak, like, went out on the town in the middle of, like, the COVID shutdown and got in big trouble. And that was in Chicago. So, like, it kind of worries me. Like, does this dude have homies in Chicago? Is he going to be, like, out partying instead of pitching? So, I, is that why he signed in Chicago uh, over other places? I because I, I, I don't know. I, I question this, though. Um, I'm just – I'm not going to probably be drafting Clevenger this year. I don't really see myself. Unless he just falls 
this is a spot where I'm like, okay, well, at this point, just got to do it. But what do you think? Yeah, unless you're in a super deep league, I don't know that you should be trying to draft him. And I don't – I would probably say the White Sox just offered him the most money is what I would assume. But um, I don't think that they need him to be a a two or a three in that rotation. If he's just healthy and not awful, I think they'll live with it. So. You don't but, think he could have gotten more money? I bet somebody out there would have thrown Mike Clevenger the Zach Eflin deal. I bet he could have gone out there and got three years, $40 million just like Eflin. Coming off of his second Tommy John, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, And he probably didn't want to sign a deal like that. He probably wants a one-year prove-it deal. So then he can go chase a three for 60 or something. Yeah, yeah. But, but then my – he, that is probably exactly what he wanted to do. But then coming back to it, is Chicago the best place for him? Like, if you're going to sign a one-year prove-it deal, don't you want to go to someone that's, like, really good at developing pitching and fixing pitching, like, where he started? And I mean, Cleveland doesn't need him. But wouldn't you rather go to somewhere with, like the Rays that usually do smart things with pitching? Um, I mean, not to say the White Sox have a terrible track record of correcting pitchers because you just have to look at – Giolito was atrocious until he got to Chicago, and now at least he's, like, pretty good. You know, like, he has had really good seasons, and he's had, like, average seasons. Um, I mean, still to your point, though, like – Look at Kopech. What's Kopech doing? I was just going to say, Kopech and Giolito, everyone expected to take this massive step forward, and they just didn't. Yeah, and people forget that they're not the ones who fixed Lance Lynn. Texas Rangers fixed Lance Lynn. So – uh, there might be people out there, oh, Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn. But, yeah, it was the Rangers who fixed Lynn, and then he got the big deal with the Sox. I just wanted to say, too, to your previous point, the White Sox, it seems like they every year they end up with four players who should be full-time DH and end up putting two in the outfield, one at third or one at first base, and then one at DH, like Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn and Eloy, like you mentioned. Yeah, there's another point. where Sheets is going to end up in the outfield now right yep uh i mean he's a good hitter they gotta play him that's where you gotta play him you you have to hide hide one of either sheets which actually sheets i think is a better defensive first baseman so it might make more sense for them to just put andrew vaughn base and then try to hide vaughn in left field and just tell robert look dude uh, yeah, you gotta have to do a lot of running this year, so dude. I mean, even okay. him, like, he got hurt what twice last year? Like, he yeah, probably yeah. needs to come off his feet a little bit, too. Um, do you remember though? You just reminded me of that. Do you remember that year they had Adam Dunn play right field after the all or after the trade deadline? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> there are some teams that don't care about fielding, and they are one of them. <laughs> All right, let's get to our next move. Uh, talking about the White Sox, we got Jose Abreu leaving the White Sox and going to the Astros. What do you, what do you, what's your read on this move from a fancy, fantasy perspective? Obviously, it's a great move for the Astros, right? I don't think, with them making this move, I don't think they're going to re sign Verlander now. I don't think they're going to have the money, especially they're still talking to Wilson Contreras. So I don't think Verlander is going back to Houston. Uh, I mean, I guess they have the pitching depth for it. So that's they okay. Don't, that's cool. But they don't um, even have a GM yet, right? Like, they're probably. No, I, guess I think just... Bagwell. I think Bagwell's making moves, and Bagwell's like saying, "Like, oh, analytics suck," and he's like, he's like signing people. It's like, <laughs> okay, man, like this signing dudes based on on old school stats, like batting average and homers or or RBI. Like, what are you doing here? So, uh, <laughs> who knows what Bagwell's doing? But um, yeah, Abreu from a fantasy like a real life perspective yeah great move for the Astros but what, well, what like, do you got for a, a fantasy perspective for Abreu for the Astros lineup what are you thinking so from a fantasy perspective I think he was one of the most unlucky hitters last year and um I think I think he stay, takes a pretty good step forward in the terms of power he had 15 home runs I wouldn't be surprised if he doubled that and got back to pushing 3100 um I mean, his expected stats backed up his 304 average. Like, he's he's one of the most consistent 300 hitters. Were you the one – were we talking about him when you called him uh, Freddie Freeman Light last yeah, podcast? We were, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, basically, if you look at his stats, that's what he's been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, love it from an RBI standpoint, right? Like, this guy's going to rack up so many RBI. 
uh, Brady was known for having a high and, and you know, like there's the people out here who say, Oh, there's no such thing as like hitting under pressure. Like that's BS. Right. Like yep. there's going to be your people who there's no such thing as clutch, but I think Abreu has shown that clutch may exist because like this guy's batting average with runners in scoring position above most players throughout his entire career has been phenomenal. So I think Abreu hitting behind on base guys like Bregman. Uh, Kyle Tucker. Like, yeah. Well, actually, I think that, Tucker, you know, probably bat are so weird. Yeah, Dude, I, bat, this, yeah. I know what you're going to say, and this drives me insane. It drives me insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a hit behind him. He's like, what are you doing with Kyle Tucker here? And then you've got guys drafting Kyle Tucker like fifth overall, and Dusty Baker's hitting him like seventh in the lineup. It's like, okay, <laughs> what are you like? All right, Dusty, he's not even top five in your lineup, but you got everybody drafting him fifth overall. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so Abreu, love it from fantasy. This is one thing that people are going to overrate, though, is that I keep hearing people on other podcasts and seeing articles that. Oh, Abreu's going to demolish the Crawford boxes, right? But uh, actually, from a hitting perspective, fun note here, Chicago is a better power ballpark for right-handed hitters than Houston. Whoa! Mind blown for anyone listening, right? Uh, all you have to do is go on, st- uh, go, on, go on and look at park factors on uh, your StatCast stuff, and you can see that. You can do splits and look at lefty-righty splits. And you see that even though we have the Crawford boxes, Chi-Town is a better hitter's park for Abreu. So um, maybe we see the homers rebound just because last year was a weird year for Abreu. Or maybe he is trying to just be more of a doubles hitter going forward. Um, I don't I know. It's going to be a big question mark uh, on, on how we see him evolve here as he ages. So I, I saw that his 15 home runs he hit – if he played all of them at Metcast, project would hit twenty two. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't get all the way back to thirty, but I'll probably take twenty four, twenty-five. Um and then I can't believe they gave him three years. He's gonna be thirty six when the season starts, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I'm sure they had to. at least thirty nine. That's something that yeah, they had that's to do. True. That's you know true. I mean? Like I'm sure he had two year yep, deals all absolutely. over the place. And that's how they got him that third year. Uh, next guy we're going to talk about. This one's going to be brief because I don't know how important really he is. Maybe I'll, I've got a 20-team league. Maybe I'll pick him up in a 20-team league. But we have Carlos Santana going to the Pirates. They'll probably be, I guess, their number three hitter. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, He might be their number three hitter. They might do like Cruz leadoff and then Reynolds and then Santana. I don't know. Um, Santana, though, if you did not notice, he actually did have a good second half last year. As soon as he went, like right before he got traded to the Mariners, like he, he got hot for like a couple weeks and they traded him to the Mariners. And he was pretty good for the Mariners. Like mentioning my 20-team league, I actually picked him up in that league last year when I had like a bunch of injured dudes at the same time. And he helped me for sure, uh, especially that, that league counts uh, walks. So like any on-base percentage league, points league, league where walks actually matter. I think Santana could actually become a factor in that next year because he's just going to get enough at-bats and he's just going to put up so many walks. Uh, being in that Pittsburgh lineup. I I originally wrote down NL only points league question mark. Like that's how deep I think it would have to be for him to actually like <laughs> matter in fantasy. Like this is a, this is a real life or a real life baseball move more than a fantasy baseball. Yeah, for this sure. Anyone in this is we're like this is a the, Scott White the shift ban. The shift ban helped him. Maybe his maybe his batting average gets back to like two forty instead of two oh two. Um, and then they trade him at the deadline. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, I don't. I don't think it matters. You want to talk about you want to talk about Matt Boyd at all? Does Matt Boyd matter from fantasy? Maybe. Same same leagues, right? Same leagues you're getting Santana and you're getting Matt Boyd. Probably. You said that he has never been good. And, like, as a Tigers fan, I remember him being good. And then I just looked up his stats and, like, I don't know. Memory is is a crazy thing because he had 11 starts or 11 decisions in 2021. And his ERA was 389. He started 15 games. 
and that was by far his best season. So I don't know what I was thinking that I thought he was good, but no, I don't think it matters. Yeah, he has, he has one season. Put him on your watch list. Under he... a four... Yeah, one, yeah. Put him on the watch and list. Yeah, it exactly. was less yeah. than half a season's one... worth of starts. <laughs> yeah, and one season in his career with under a four ERA, Matt Boyd. So um, I think it, a lot of it is he's only hype. a lot of a lot of people are like boys, boys, right? Like it's a, just like a big fantasy thing. Boys, we're boys, boys, right? We're gonna he's gonna break out. He's gonna break out. He just never did. He's one of those guys that had a bunch of helium and he never really did anything. He's only made thirty starts twice. In his career. Yes. Like, I almost feel like that somebody should make him go to the bullpen and he'll be a lot better. Probably. I mean, he has a career 132 whip. Not good. Uh, career 490 ERA. Not good. Strikeout to walk ratio is okay. But that's about it. So, I don't know. He's only got... <laughs> He's only got two pitches that he can actually get people out with. Like, if that doesn't scream bullpen, I don't know what does. Yeah, but you're not. They just signed him ten year, ten million for a year. They're not going to pay a reliever ten million. No, the Tigers. I don't know. They're in this weird spot where like their rebuild should be over, but Alavila is terrible at his job, so it's might just be restarting a rebuild. So they just needed innings because all of their young pitchers got hurt last year. Yeah, they made all the wrong moves, and now they're at a point where no free agent is going to want to go there unless they just give a ton of money. When they could have, instead of signing Javi Baez, if they just brought in Carlos Correa and Dude, I'm re- still... reunited Correa and, Hit- and Hitch. If you go back to my like my Twitter feed when that happened, which would be a lot of work, I was so mad. So yeah. mad. And that was money in the bank, right? Like you had Hinch and Correa, like you had a link there, you had a connection. And dude, a like that wanted to spend money, that wanted to get a shortstop, and then they go to like the most volatile player in baseball. Like Javi Baez is is has to be the most volatile hitter in all of baseball. And like, think of a worse ballpark fit than Javi Baez in Comerica. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits twelve home runs for his entire career every season. <laughs> like. <laughs> You're drafting bias for the steals now, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple small moves. We had the Nationals bring in Heimer Candelario and Stone Garrett. Anything on these guys? No. Candelario, he met like he led the league in doubles two years ago, right, if I remember? He was up there. I think he had over 40. And he's he's a good points league guy, or he was until last year. Like, watching him go out there every day last year and just struggle was kind of tough. Like, I think he had a three-homer game, but, like, he had a bad year. And I think from the outside, it seemed mental. So maybe a change of scenery, a bad team, maybe it helps. Maybe he rebounds. But Yeah, no. well, this is the thing. Both these guys should get playing time. And if they're going to get playing time in Washington, which is a hitter's park, they, they're worth keeping on your radar, I think. I don't think I'm drafting them, but I'd keep them on the radar. Like Stone Garrett was really, really good and not much playing time last year. His the minors, 80 plate appearances? Yeah, yeah, he was awesome in the minors. And then even in the majors, he was, I mean, they were, he was platooning, but he was really good. So he's interesting. He just be one of these post-hype guys mm-hmm. that pops in like a Dolis Garcia. You know what I mean? That's kind of what my comp to him would be. It would be like a Dolis Garcia. Um, all right, let's get into – I had some, some trades that I posted on Twitter in my Otnu League because Otnu still runs 24-7, baby. Uh, so I'm going to get into these trades. I don't know if you saw my Twitter. I don't know if you cheated and looked. But uh, So as you brought that up at the beginning of the pod, I just went and subscribed to your tweets because I okay. did not see this. Yeah, well, on, on some of them, I mentioned what team I was. So if you don't, do you know what team I am on these trades? I kind of no. want you to guess if you don't know. No, I'll just look at the. Uh, I'll just look at the oh. notes. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. We'll, we'll give the trades here, and then I want you to guess what team I am, and tell me if I made a good or a bad deal. So I made three trades all this week in the same league. So, <laughs> uh, trade number one. Uh, team A received ten dollar Andres Jimenez, five dollar Lars Newbar, five dollar Hunter Brown. 
and $4 Gavin Stone. And Team B received $11 Luis Severino, $14 Racel Iglesias, and $7 Taylor Rogers. Who won this deal? What kind of league is it? All right, so Anu, if you are uninitiated, is points, and it's 40-man rosters. So every team has 40-man rosters. So rookies and, like, it's kind of like a mix of – it's like a dynasty league. This is only a 12-teamer, but it's a dynasty league, basically, because you have a 40-man roster, so you want to build for the future, and it's all salary-based. So at the end of the year, you keep every single player that you want, and everyone increases by $2 year over year. And then there's also an arbitration process, which we just completed, where like 30 days after the season ends, you have 30 days, and each team gets like 25 bucks that you get to stick on other teams. So you, get, so I get $25, and I can put $25 in my, uh, to, I can throw it all on, you know, different players. But you get capped out. You can only put a maximum of like three dollars on each, on each team. So like if there's one guy who had a, like a $45 Otani or something like that, and this is a league where it's daily league and oh, Otani. Nice. Yeah. So it's a daily league and uh, it's points. Right. So like Otani is easily the best player in this league. Oh uh, yeah. He's a pitcher and a hitter every single day. You just swap, swap a pitcher, hitter, pitcher, hitter. Uh, so he's like 45 bucks, but basically every single person in the league put like three bucks on him. So now he's like 60, so, you know, like almost he's unkeepable now, basically, which was the point. We're just trying to get him thrown back into the draft. So like anyone who gets released, uh, back in uh, now we have like 60 days or something to make cuts in trades. And so anyone who gets cut uh, gets thrown back into the draft pool. And then we have draft in the off season. So that's kind of how the league works for anyone who's uninitiated with odd new. It's awesome. Uh, there's actually, there's a pitcherless podcast called keeper cut where it's like the odd new guys, which is, is a really good pod. Uh, that sounds super but fun. that is true. Yeah, it is. So and I'm planning actually to start like a 16. I want to start a 16 team on new league. So anyone interested, hit me up if you're interested. Um, so trade one, who do you think? Team A, team B, who wins this trade? I think you are, we've talked about a total of three times now, but I think you are the type of guy who does not value closers as a smart fantasy manager. So I'm going to say you are team A, and I'm also going to say that team A won this trade. Yeah. Yep. I am team A and thank you for thinking that I won. Um, you want to break the trade down a little bit? Who do you see in this trade that you like and who do you not like? So Andres Jimenez, I think, is criminally underrated. Um, I don't know a lot about Hunter Brown, to be honest. And then we um, – I don't – just me as a seasoned fantasy baseball player, like I just don't – a $14 Rossio Iglesias, like is he even going to close? He should if they don't bring anybody in. Um, Taylor Rogers might not close. Yeah. And I think the big part of me of, of the other team making this trade is that $11 Luis Severino, right? Yeah, like that's, you get a top expensive. 20 pitcher for, for $11. Well, that's cheap. Oh, uh, is right? it? Yeah. Yeah. So like most starters, just to provide some context, most really good, like for instance, like Shane Beaver was like 50 bucks, right? Oh gosh. Like, uh, like Corbin Burns is like 50 bucks. So like Luis Severino at $11, if he's a top 20 starter is pretty solid. Um, I so should have known you were Team A because there's a Cardinal on your side. <laughs> Newbar's the man. We'll get into <laughs> outfielders. We'll get into outfielders next time. But like, I love me some Lars Newbar. Like he, especially points leagues, because this is a points league. This dude had more walks than the K's last year, I believe. Uh, so Newbar is the man. Uh, Hunter Brown. You said you didn't know much about Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown. Yeah. This is the reason that the Astros can let Verlander walk because Hunter Brown is really, really good in my pitcher rankings. I think I've got him in the top forty to fifty. Right now, uh, yeah, is, he's going to be really good. Is he that rookie who looked like they overlaid Verlander's delivery and his delivery, yes. and they looked like identical? That is him. Yes. Okay. I, I think he's going to be really good. And Gavin Stone for the Dodgers. If just look up his minor league stats, and you'll be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> just like just look up his minor league stats if you have some time. Uh, insane minor league stats, and he should be up this year, I would think. Uh, because he spent most of the last year in AAA. So let's get to trade number two. Trade number two, we got a Tiger. Uh-oh, number f- uh, $4 Riley Green for a $12 Devin Williams. Uh, so team A four, gets $4 Riley Green. Team B gets $12 Devin Williams. Which one am I? 
I'm going to find it hard to believe that you traded three closers. So I think you're going to be on the Devin Williams side. And ding, ding, I, ding. I probably think you won this trade too. Like, I think Riley Green's going to be a really good real baseball player. Like, he plays great defense, highlight defense in center field. But he's never going to be a – I don't think he'll ever hit 30 home runs in Comerica. I don't know. He'll probably steal 20 bags, though. So, I mean, that I think that's a fair trade. Devin Williams and that UFO changeup he has. I, I love Devin Williams. Yeah, me too. I think Twitter – because I put these on Twitter as Twitter polls. I think Twitter had me losing this trade. They had me winning the last one, the first one. Uh, they had me losing this trade, I think. People like a $4 Riley Green. but I mean, Riley yeah, that's Green, a good price, but... Yeah, it's a really good price. Um, I mean, I, I drafted him. I think I had him as like a $1 guy. I, I got him as like a $1 guy a couple of years ago. And like I said, like you get a $2 increase if you're in the majors. And I don't think I mentioned this, but if you're a minor leaguer, you only get a $1 increase, right? So like if you're in double A and you go up to triple A the next year, you only get a $1 increase. Um, so Riley Green, I had for a couple of years, I was sitting on him. And then after I traded all my closers, right? <laughs> like I needed one. And so like, I like hit up the league. I'm like, Hey, who wants to, who wants to, uh, to give me a closer? And I have a ton of outfielders in this league, which made it really easy, especially after getting new bar. Like Riley yeah. Green was like my seventh outfielder or something in this league. So it was really easy to, for me to make this trade and trade like a seventh outfielder who would probably just be like tuning on my team uh, for a top tier closer because now Devin Williams is a closer that hater is gone. And he is probably a top three, four, five closer in baseball. I think um, I, he might be better than hater. So you, know, like you got like what class, like I haven't done my reliever rankings yet, but just off the top of your head, you probably think like, Class A, Hendricks, uh, Hader Williams, something like that. Is yeah, he's top he's, he's top five for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trade number three. Uh, team A received four dollar DL Hall and three dollar Ken Waldachuk, and Team B received a seven dollar Pete Fairbanks and a four dollar Estuary Ruiz. I bet you are Team B, and. Uh, I don't know who won. Maybe, maybe Team B. Oh, you're not just giving me that one because, because you're talking to me, right? <laughs> I don't know. I really like Estuary Ruiz. I was, I was really high on him last year, but I don't know. I'm kind of down on DL Hall now. Me too. You know, the, on Twitter, this one ended up fifty-fifty, and DL Hall, worst case, though, is going to become like a Josh Hader, I think. So he'll close. Um, but me That's making a this slow trade, transition though to go from starter to Josh Hader. Yeah, that takes well, that'll three take a, years. Yeah, it'll take it'll take like two bad years of of being a starter, <laughs> or he goes like the Corbin Burns route, right? Like because Corbin Burns, people forget, came up as a starter, sucked for like a year, or went a year back and to half, went to reliever, went to the bullpen, yep. Yep. figured it out in the pen, and then they made him a starter again the next year, and then he was good. So. That that might be what it takes. Who knows? Uh, but Fairbanks was actually really awesome last year. People forget because he missed a good chunk of the season. I think he was like he was like the closer at the beginning of the year. Then he got hurt, and then came back like the last month and a half of the season, and it was lights out. Uh, so Fairbanks, really good closer, seven dollars. Uh, closers in this league, you generally go for like twelve to sixteen dollars for like a locked in closer who gets saved. Do you play fantasy football? Not really. I used to. I used to all the time, but I have not. I did not play this year, probably also because I just had a baby. So yeah, like, fair. there's too much stuff going on. Um, historically, uh, the the Patriots never have one running back, so it's absolutely impossible to figure out who they're using at running back. And I like to compare trying to find the raise closer to finding the correct Patriots running back. It's just an impossible task, and you'll never get it right. Yeah, it's true. Um, points league, though, so it helps. So yeah, even that's, if he's yeah. not the closer, he's still going to help. It's just yeah. like I won't be getting save points, which save points are good. So I'll be missing on those, but I'll still be getting some points. Yeah, and he's even still if he elite a, ratios. Even if he yeah. gets a third of the saves or whatever, it's like, okay, give me an elite ratio, a third of the saves, whatever. Um, and then Ruiz is just so high upside, right, especially after they traded Renfro. I'm like – all right, opening for Brewers. Let's get this speed demon in there and see if he turns into something. 
So, like, I'm willing to take the $4 gamble on Asturi Ruiz. And, like, basically, you can think of it like this. I got rid of Riley Green and replaced him with Asturi Ruiz, right, as, like, my number seven outfielder or whatever on this team. Uh, if this is my number three outfielder, I probably wouldn't have done that because Riley Green is much safer. But since it's a backup outfielder on this team, I'd rather take the risk on the high upside of Asturi Ruiz and see if he turns into – Trey Turner or whatever in the outfield, then just take the safe Riley Green just because I have enough depth that I can do that at that position. So um, you know, a little a little bit of chess. It's not just straight up, straight up. You got to also think about like team context. Um, but obviously, nobody else knows my team. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that that I, that is the context behind the deals, though. Okay, so if you want to get us back rolling into our third base. Rankings now. We left off after tier four last time, which was Ryan McMahon, our number 18 third baseman. And what we're going to do this time around, because we, we have, like I said, I ranked 75 third basemen. So if you go all the way down, we've got 75. We're not going to talk about every, all 75 third basemen. So what we're going to do is we're going to provide the ranking, like the, what rank they are. So like number 19, then the name, and then what their F score is, like what their, what their main F score is, and then their future F score. And the way to think about the F-scores is like ceiling and floor, right? Like F-score is like floor, and then future F-score is like ceiling. So that's kind of like the range of possible outcomes that uh, the skills have this player ending up in. So that's kind of really the, the true, correct way to read the F-scores. It's like, okay, you got floor, you got ceiling. This player should end up somewhere in this range of player. So uh, we'll get to those. And then what we're going to do is we're going to each name one player we love in this tier and then one player that we hate. So first in your tier number four here, we have Luis Urias. Uh, his F-score is 9.6, and his future F-score is 106, followed by Josh Rojas at number 20. His F-score is 104, and his future F-score is 112. And then you have Brandon Drury, even though he is nowhere yet, so his F-scores are blank. 22, we have Anthony Rendon. His F score is 9-1, and his future F score woo, is, is 7-9. Uh, 23, Cabrian Hayes. F score is 0.99, and his future is 1. 24, DJ LeMahieu. F score 101, future 9-8. Ty France, 25. His F score is 0.93. His future is 0.95. Am I saying that right? 0.95? Yeah, I mean, when I plug it into the calculator, it comes out as a percentage, so it shows, like, 0.93 and 0.95, but, like, it's more like, the way to think about it is, like, OPS plus, so, like, it's, like, 93 or 95. 95, like, okay. It just rolls better off the tongue, I feel like, that way. Okay, um, yeah. But it does show, when, when it's plugged into the calculator, it comes back as a percentage. All right, so at 26, we have Mondesi. Um, his total F score is 117, and his future is 1112. 27, Jose Miranda. Of, with an F score of 9-1 and a future F score of 9-6. 28, Ha Sung Kim. Total F score 101, future F score 107. 29, we have Yon Mankata. Total F score 9-7, future F score 1. Um, number 30, we have Brandon Donovan. Total F score 9-7, future F score 105. Uh, 31, we have Luis Arias. Total F score 105. 104, future F score 112. Number 32, rounding out this tier, we have Chris Taylor, uh, total F score 101, future F score 94. All right. I'm going to let you start. Who, who, who do you like out of this tier? Who's your go to? So the first one I wrote down is Jose Miranda. And that was just off gut. Like, I thought he had a pretty good year last year. And then I pulled up his baseball savant page and I realized he doesn't do anything spectacularly well. Like I couldn't really justify how much I like him, but I think there might be a breakout coming. And then I noticed on his, uh, his spray chart that he pulled all 15 of his home runs. They're just left center or um, left field. But, I mean, he has a decent chase rate, decent K rate. I think he's serviceable for sure. And there's a lot of question marks in this tier. So, I think he's one of the safer options. Yeah, that's kind of – it is kind of like 
question mark tier. Would you have him in this tier? Is this the same tier that you would have him in, or would you be moving him up a tier? Down a, I, like, I don't know that I'd move him up a whole tier. Um, I think he's going to play every day, and I think he's going to kind of accumulate his way to a decent season. I don't know. He might be Ryan McManny, but I'd probably just move him towards the top of this tier rather than moving him up a tier. Yeah. I think who I like in this tier is – I like Rendon in this tier because he's done it before. His F scores are not going to show up well because he's been hurt a lot lately, uh, almost since he signed the Angels deal. It's been like every – I guess, yeah, since he signed the Angels, he's just been hurt a lot. I think that that player, though, is still in there. Um, he's older now, so I don't think that that speed where he was getting like 2020-type seasons is going to come back. But I think he still has the contact ability in the eye where if he has a good year, he could be, put up like DJ LeMahieu-type seasons, right? Like he could put up like – and LeMahieu's in this tier, funny enough. But like, <laughs> like when LeMahieu was on the Yankees seasons, like he could put up 20-25 homers. And with that good lineup around him, he's going to walk, he's going to get on base, he's going to get RBI, he's going to get runs. So I think just from like a counting stats perspective and where he's probably going to be in that Angels lineup, that's why I like Rendon just for just really for the for the stats, the counting stats. As long as he's healthy, um, that's, that's just such that's a my, massive. That's just such a massive if. Yeah, it is. But like you said, this whole tier is full of question marks, right? Like, yeah, and so, there's just no one. You cannot bank anyone's numbers really in this entire tier. There's just it's a bunch of guys who are up and like the most bankable guy is the guy that I have at the top of the tier who is Luis Arias. You know what I mean? He's probably Luis Arias, you can say, okay, he's gonna hit two sixty with twenty to twenty five homers and eighty RBI and eighty runs. So Yeah, I was just gonna say by far maybe minus one person, Anthony Rendon has by far the highest ceiling here. Yeah. Except for, yeah, except for at Alberto Mondesi probably. <laughs> uh, all right, who do you hate in this tier? Um, I honestly, I hate Anthony Rendon just because <laughs> I think there's no chance he plays 80 games, but, um, I mean, if you take health out of it, he's fine, obviously, but, um, I don't know. I don't hate any of these guys really. They're just boring. <laughs> I don't know if boring is the right word. They're just unpredictable more because some of these guys are very, actually very exciting. Because the guy that I hate is Adalberto Mondesi, who's a very exciting player, but I would not be caught dead drafting him because he goes way too high every year. Because there's always some nut job who's like, oh, Adalberto is going to get 80 steals this year. And they're drafting him like sixth round or eighth round or whatever. And it's he's just going to be drafted way too high again. He has never shown the ability to stay on the field. He has terrible plate discipline. All he is is speed. He's got some, actually some decent power, but all he is is tools. He's he's like a tool that nobody knows how to use. It's like it's like humans finding a UFO or whatever, and we have no idea how to use it. Right? If like yeah. we actually found a UFO in Area Fifty One, we're like, oh look, we found a UFO. How awesome! And then we have no idea how to turn it on or how to use it or whatever. So like that's kind of like what Alberto Mondesi is. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about uh, Yon Mankata just because I I don't know what happened to him. Like he was so good, and then even last year he was pretty bad, empty stats. And then or two years ago he kind of took a step back, a lot of empty stats, empty average. And then last year he got hurt and just kind of cratered. Do you Too much tinkering. I think Do that's you think what's still something good in there. Oh, for sure. I mean, like you can see he's got power, he's got speed, he's got plate discipline. He just doesn't know how to put it all together. Like so talking about having having being all tools. Like he has tools and he knows how to put a couple of them together, but he can't figure them all out. Right? Like he's he's like a puzzle, he's just like a puzzle that has never been completed. Because if you remember when the Red Sox traded Mankata to the White Sox for sale, Mankata was supposed to be like the best player ever, right? Like, he was supposed to be like, oh, it's the next Mike Trout or whatever. Um, I mean, he just hasn't ever put everything together. He, he's got a season where he w- had a 400 OBP or whatever because he walked a ton, but then he didn't do anything else. 
And he's got a season where he jacked 25 homers, but then he didn't do anything else. So it's just like he just – it's like uh, one year he, he's really good at one thing, and then the next year he's really good at another thing, and he just could never combine them all. So – that doesn't count because everyone hit 25 home runs that year. <laughs> Juice ball Makata. <laughs> I think he maybe needs to stop switch guy. hitting. I think uh, he. Maybe. There's a lot of guys like that. Yeah. He just needs to bat right handed. And I mentioned uh, whoever's spray chart earlier. You should see his, his home runs. Miranda. Yeah. Miranda yeah it's, it's, it's the same thing. Ozzy Albies should also stop. Switch yes. hitting. Yep, I'll die and on that. Hill. Dylan Carlson should stop switch hitting. Dylan I didn't Carlson even know Dylan is, Carlson switch hits. So yeah, yeah, he does, and that's the problem. Is that he's an amazing. His power from the right side is is fantastic, but then from the left side, he just doesn't do anything but walk. He just sits there and walks, and or strikes out. That's all he does. He just sits there with the bat on his shoulder and walks or strikes out, or he hits oh. or he hits into the shift. So <laughs> I, I want to ask you this, but I don't want to get too off track. So did yeah. you see the Dylan Carlson, like the Cardinals refused to trade him for Juan Soto? Like that was the deal oh breaker. God. Like, how yes, do you feel I about did. that? If but, that was true, that would be the epitome of idiotic, but I don't think it's true. I think that the Cardinals didn't want to trade Jordan Walker. I think that if I'm the nationals and you, you yeah, see what the nationals say. got for the Padres, if you're trading, making if you're trading Car- soda to the Cardinals, you're going to ask for Dylan Carlson. You're going to ask for Nolan Gorman. You're going to ask for Jordan Walker. You're going to ask for Mason Wynn. Like you're getting all four of those guys because look who they got. They got James Wood, who's basically like Padres' version of Jordan Walker, but like a year behind. And they got uh, C.J. Abrams, who I guess you could call like your Dylan Carlson in the trade or whatever. And then you know you, they got Mackenzie Gore, Gore who you, you call him the Gorman or whatever, and then. Uh, Mason Wynn would be like, who else, who else did they get that deal? They got someone else really good. They got another top prospect. But I mean, yeah. so I think the thing is, they just didn't want, I think the main thing is they would have traded Jordan Walker for Soto, but not with all those other guys in. And that's where, why they came out. Oh, they wouldn't trade Dylan Carlson. It's because no, they wouldn't trade Jordan Walker with Nolan Gorman and Dylan Carlson. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I mean, like, I'd like to think that's what happened. Cardinals are pretty smart about making trades, uh, yeah. except for the Ozuna trade, which is a complete disaster. Uh, they've been pretty smart about making trades. <laughs> Sandy Alcantara and Zach Allen for Ozuna. That was that yeah. trade. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw someone complaining about that recently, but that might have been you. It's probably me because <laughs> that that trade is like the Archer trade for the Cardinals, basically. <laughs> All right, next tier. Let's 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 buzz through this next tier here. All right, number thirty-three, Jordan Walker, uh, F score nine eight, future one hundred five. 34, Josh Donaldson, F-score 9-8, future 9-6. Alec Bohm at 35, F-score 9-2, future 9-7. Eduardo Escobar at 36, F-score 9-4, future 9-9. Yandy Diaz, F-score 105, future F-score 117. Uh, David Villar at 38, F-score 90, future F-score 95. Isak Paredes, former Tiger. At 39, F score 9-4, future score 9-4. Rounding out this tier, Christopher Morrell at number 40, F score 8-9, future 9-6. Yeah, so who do you like in this tier? Um, I really like Isak Paredes, former Tiger. Um, I kind of just wanted to talk about him so I can complain about El Vila, but... Um, <laughs> I was absolutely shocked with how well he did when he went there, especially since they put him in AAA, but I assume that's just to like cast their spells and do their double magic. And then <laughs> and then he came up and hit 20 home runs and just had elite whiff rates and chase rates and didn't hit the ball especially hard, but just played so well. Yeah, he was awesome. And actually, you know, what's funny is, for every tier, I wrote down two I like, just in case you pick two I like, and that—that's the guy that I had written down. <laughs> so uh, we're on the same page here. Uh, I think he's gonna—he's gonna be one of these guys who can jump tier, right? Like if he—if he gets the playing time, as long as he gets the PT, because the Rays like to do platoony things. Uh, if he gets full time PT, then uh, he could jump a tier, I think, pretty easily. Yeah, I totally agree. Good also in points leagues, 
right? 139 F-discipline. So in points leagues, this is a guy that can get you a lot of points just walking. And the Rays love guys like that. You can see also in this tier, Yandy Diaz, 168 points discipline. So that's what a lot of the Rays guys were. Even Gmon Choi, same thing, good play discipline. So um, yeah, as long as he maintains that skill, he has a chance of hitting higher up in the lineup. And he could just be that doubles guy. I mean, like he might not hit the homers. Like he went on that terror where he had like eight homers in a row. What was it, like eight games, eight homers or something like that? Uh, Dude, he might not do that, but he could hit 20 homers over the course of a full season with a good number of doubles and drive in some runs and do some good things. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. And that that lineup is just they get everything out of every single person on their roster. So that that lineup is always good. Yeah, I mean, like it doesn't look like the Dodgers lineup, right? But it's deep. It goes one through nine all the way through. Uh, the other guy that I like in this tier, uh, because you already took Freitas, is Jordan Walker. Obviously, right? Cardinals fan here. Number one prospect, Jordan Walker. Got to love him. Uh, everyone's talking about him. Who went to, to Arizona Fall League? Um, obviously, I was way on him before then, uh, being a Cardinals fan. Jordan Walker, to me, could be like Vlad. Not junior, like Vlad Sr. is like his ceiling. When I watch him, um, so and the thing that people don't realize about Jordan Walker is the speed, right? Like he has some crafty speed. He could be like twenty twenty guy for I mean, that. Might not be like when he's thirty, he might not have that speed. But in his twenties, he should be Good carrying that speed. Um, I mean, this guy he's he's been he was like twenty years old in Double A, so just playing way out of his level dominating so jordan walker the main thing for him for this year for fantasy is is going to be all about playing time right like how, how much playing time is going to get so dude he's six five yeah he's a beast he's huge that's dude, what i'm saying I like if you, if you actually watch that. him if you watch him he kind of looks like jermaine die hitting and oh. not as much like vlad but he does look a little like vlad and i think he can put up like vlad senior-esque numbers so for this year in fantasy, it's just going to be about him playing. And if you're in a dynasty or a keeper league, you don't have time to waste. You where know, like, you're going to have to get him this year because <laughs> next year it's going to be too late. So where are they going to play him? Uh, he's going to be in the outfield. So Cardinals outfield right now is Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and Lars Newbar, which is good. There's been rumors because the Cardinals don't have a catcher now that Yachty retired that they will be making a trade for a catcher. Um. I really hope they don't trade Newbar. I'm a huge Newbar guy. It might make sense for them to try to trade, try to trade Tyler O'Neill, maybe to the Blue Jays because O'Neill's Canadian. Who knows? Maybe it's like a nice little Canadian connection, even though he's not a lefty. I don't really know. Um, but Tyler O'Neill gets hurt every year, regardless. I was so just gonna say that. If, yeah, if you're <laughs> if you're like waiting on Jordan Walker, all you have to do is wait for that first Tyler O'Neill injury. The only thing though is it gets a little cluttered because the Cardinals still have a lot of good prospects that are corner outfielders like Juan Yepes played a lot yeah. of left field last year in DH uh, pools is gone. So Yepes will probably be the primary DH next year. And they also have Alec Burleson who is a top 100 prospect uh, who is a lefty rather than a righty. So he might split like he might just like put like platoon with O'Neill and then uh, platoon with Yepes or something like they'll get him PT. So it's interesting. They've got too many pieces. Then you got Gorman is like your backup second baseman at Donovan right now. They, they just got too many pieces. It makes too much sense for them to make a trade. So something's going to happen. It's going to clear some room. Jordan Walker is going to play. Someone will get hurt. Like once it happens, yeah. he's going to be up. You can only you can only play in AAA and dominate AAA so long. Uh, I mean, how much? Yeah, he's still young. Do, but do you know how Juan much Soto of his? I guess it's right here. How much of his... Oh, no, he hasn't even been to AAA yet, has he? No, he played the whole season last year at AA at the age of 20. So he's yeah, 21 with, dude, next and year. With a, with a 900 OPS, 19 bombs and 22 steals, and hit, oh, a cool 306. Yeah, he's going to be a stud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, for him, it's about PT. Is he going to make that Michael Harris jump? Or, you know, like, how, how much playing time is he going to get? Um, if he gets playing time... Early in the season, if he comes up Super 2 deadline or whatever, like some of these guys do, that, or makes the jump and comes up at the beginning of the season, like surprise, 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 here he is. 
then like definitely he's going to be worth drastic. If he comes up at the very end of the year, like that's going to be a little tougher pill to swallow, but I think you're still going to have to add him this year if you want him at a good value and keeper in dynasty leagues. And it's probably too late, really. Even this year, it might be too late in those types of leagues uh, if you have sharp owners. So who do you not like in this tier? Um, I didn't... I don't like Evan Longoria. Um, he's Anthony Rendon, but worse and less available. That's next year. <laughs> That's next year? Oh, shit, yeah, sorry. Like... I scrolled down. <laughs> My bad. Um, I don't like Josh Donaldson. I've never been a Josh Donaldson fan. Um, besides that one home run he had in the playoffs, that was awesome. But... um. I just think, I mean, he's getting old. Father Time's undefeated. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of the skills are still there. Yeah, he can still hit the ball that, so hard, but. It's just once that swing gets that one tick behind, yeah, then it's just about the contact. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, when you have to start cheating on fastballs and then you just don't see them anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, for me in this tier, the guy that I picked that I don't like is Christopher Morell. I could have uh, went actually, that way, too. The, the funny thing is I just heard another podcast where people were talking crap on him, and I thought everyone was high on him. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one. But uh, mostly, and you can see he's got a very bad contact score at 85. Uh, just a lot of swing and miss there. He's got some power. He's got some speed. But he's got to fix that swing and miss if he's going to uh, – Put it all together, and it's just where he's getting drafted. Really, the reason I'm down on him is just because I think when we look at start getting ADPs, like he's going to be higher than the 40th overall third baseman, right? So, like, I just that's kind of my thoughts on Morel here. Yeah, somebody, somebody once said, like, I don't hate any players; I just hate their ADPs. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, I next had him, I, I was just going to say on Morel, I picked him up like right when he came up, or started breaking out and I feel I traded him at the deadline and I feel like most of his counting stats came in the first half of the season, even though he played the whole season. Yes, for sure. Did. If you're in a, if you were in a, was it a keeper dynasty dynasty league? No, that's, that's the league where like uh, you can keep, we keep two players based on draft position and we're not allowed to keep uh waiver wire ads. So if they're not drafted, you can't keep them. Uh, makes sense. Um, do you want to read these tiers? Because they're super long and we're pushing an hour. Yeah, we are. Um, next tier is uh, basically like 20 dudes. It's mostly young guys. I'm not going to read that score, so I'm just going to go down the list. So 41, Jordan Westberg. 42, Eggy Rosario. 43, Curtis Mead. So three rookies, right? 44, J.D. Davis. 45, Evan Longoria. 46, Spencer Steer. 47, Emmanuel Valdez, another rookie. 48, Zach Geloff, Geloff, another rookie. 49, Luis Rangifo. 50, Ramon Arias. 51, Brett Beatty, another rookie. 52, Gio Rochella. 53, Heimer Candelaria. 54, Abraham Toro. 55, Alemis Diaz. 56, Taylor Walls. 57, Kyle Farmer. 58, Wilmer Flores. 59, Noel V. Marte. So tell me who you like and don't like in this tier, and then I will give you the same. The last tier, if you, want, if you all want to know about it, you can wait until my column comes out on Friends with Fantasy Benefits. I'm waiting, by the way, until people sign, until after the winter meetings before I release those. Uh, but they will be on there. So if you want to, if you're in super, super, super deep leagues, like, then you might be interested in those guys. So who do you like in this tier? So I like Brett Beatty. I think he's going to be really good. But um, I was interested to see you have all those other rookies ahead of him. Um, but no. I didn't realize how hard J.D. Davis hits the ball. Like, why is he not better? He did on the Mets, too. He hit the ball really hard. And he had, a, like, a, the one good year where he was, like, he, had, he actually got some playing time for, like, 50 games or whatever. And he was – I can't remember. What year was that? It was, like, 2019. Was that 2019 or 2020? Where he actually did get some playing time. And he was really good. One of the things – the reasons that he doesn't get enough playing time is he's really bad defensively. Um, he strikes out a ton. Yeah, he, he does, but he's, he also walks, so that helps counterbalance some of that. But, um, and, dude, he yeah, hits the ball to all fields with power. Like, all he does is strike out a little too much. It seems like there's 
there's like a 25, 25 homer, 90 RBI season in there somewhere. He just hasn't done it yet. Well, besides 2019, yeah. but like we said, that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had 22 homers in 2019, but only 400 plate appearances. So um, I think the Giants are going to give him some run this year. So he might be worth looking into as like a corner in yeah. a pretty deep league. Uh, that is something to look into. Uh, about the rookies, um, yeah, I have a lot of these guys ahead of Beatty, even though Beatty is probably going to be starting third baseman for the Mets, right? He's probably going to start the season up. I just like what a lot of them bring more. Beatty is a little inconsistent for my liking. I really like, and the guy that I like in this tier is obviously the first guy in the tier, Jordan Westberg. A lot of people don't know him uh, because Gunnar Henderson just completely like outshined him in the minors. <laughs> so like you have a couple guys coming up at like similar positions. Like Westberg is like shortstop third, just like Gunner. And Gunner just completely outshined him. But that doesn't mean that Westberg's not good. Like if you look at Westberg's F scores, he has a 92 contact, 108 F discipline, 109 power, and 120 speed. So he's someone who brings all skills to the table. He could be a 2020 type guy. And he's probably going to be playing. It sounds like they're going to keep Gunner at third. And Gunner and uh, Westberg might be the shortstop uh, of the future here. And a lot of this also, just kind of like the last one, depends on when does he come up? When does he come up? Um, I don't think he's going to start the season up. I think that they're going to give Ramon Arias some play. They're going to give uh, – who do they have in second now? Because they have Norby too who will come up next year. But Norby's not going to start the year up either, I don't think. They had uh, – who did Baltimore have in second last year? Oh, that um, uh, the, the guy the really who stole fast all those guys, bases, right? yeah. Um, God, I can Jorge see his... Mateo or something. Yes, yes, yes. Name? I was yeah. gonna say I can Jorge see Mateo. his face. Yeah. yeah. So I think Westberg, though, he's really good all around, and that's why I like him. Uh, Beatty is a, a, gonna have some definitely like has the power build up, but he's just inconsistent. I think. Uh, Galoff, I actually think, is a better version of Beatty, except he's going to be playing in Oakland. So that's kind of a big question mark there. Is his power going to translate once he gets to Oakland? Um, otherwise, I think he's basically like the same player, really. Like, look at their stats. And if you want to look them up, you can see all their minor league stats on Fangraphs. One of the great things about Fangraphs. Uh, but they're more or less the same player. Uh, Beatty plays more because Galoff has been hurt. And I don't know if it's Galoff or Galoff. I haven't really heard him say yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, but there, yeah, this tier is like rookie tier, right? You got a lot of rookies, yeah. and then a lot of like uh, guys who ha- have like partial playing time who could break out. Like one guy that I wanted to mention in this tier is actually Gio Urshela. With him going to the Angels, uh, the ballpark difference between Anaheim and Minnesota for righties is pretty steep. Like if you look at the park factor. Uh, for power for right-handers in Minnesota, it's like 84. And then for LA, I want to say it's like 112. Just That's kind of like off the top of my head. So you got like a 20-something percent swing in park factor for righties for power for Urshela. So Urshela could maybe hit like 20 bombs or something and uh, get some nice counting stats in that Angels lineup that has been built out there. So, um, anyone else in this tier you, you want to mention, good or bad? I mean, like, I have, like, Noel V. Marte here, who has, like, insane skills, right? But, like, when is he going to come up? I don't think he's coming up until September, probably. So, No, I, the only thing, the last thing I was going to say is most of those guys you have ahead of Beatty are right-handed. I don't know if you did that intentionally, but I definitely think there's a steeper learning curve, too left-handed hitters when they get to the majors. It seems like they they struggle against lefties a little bit more than right-handers, obviously. Yeah, the, that's a good that's a good point. That is actually completely unintentional, but that's that's a good point. All right, so uh we're on an hour. Let's round it out. Uh next time on the podcast, we're going to be talking about outfielders. We'll be talking about the top tier of outfielders. We're also going to bring on our uh guest Gabe Jenner, who was on a podcast with me a couple podcasts ago, he's going to guest with us, and uh, we'll get into some outfield debates and, and talk about some of the rankings. Uh, so that's what we'll do next time. 
And you can find us, obviously, both on the Fantasy Aceball podcast. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Aceball for more fantasy baseball content. Also, you can find my written work over on Friends with Fantasy Benefits, Justin Mason's site. And uh, Raymond, one last time, where they can, where can, where can the, the peoples, the good peoples, find you on Twitter? Matt Raymond Atherton. With tildes. With tildes, <laughs> yes. I should tildes, probably change tildes, that. Tildes. You can. I think it's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's it. Peace out. We'll see you all next time. Bye.